All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am joined by Jordan Texans Thoughts. Long time, Jordan. We, I mean, it's. I, I think it's been more than a year, to be honest with you. I think it's been more than a year. You, you, it's you, been you, more you than two a year. took off, and then we, you've been <laughs> busy, and you've been at school, and then traveling into the States, and... Oh man, dude, life has been absolute, just like a roller coaster this past year. It's my last year of college and just been trying to, you know, dip my toes in all these different experiences and try all these new things and trying to expand in the football world and then see where that can take me. So I've been crazy, crazy busy, but I've just been enjoying it. And so now I'm super, super glad to be back with you guys where, you know, it really all started. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely yeah. always, man. Like, super cool. Yeah, yeah you can come whenever. <laughs> You're you're the big star now. No. Nah, yeah. Nah. Oh man. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm and super still excited, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm super excited for for the draft and for what's coming up this this uh, next month, man. Yeah. 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 What, John? I was gonna say we actually have draft picks. Like, Finally. Yeah. You know, true. the very first night of the of the draft, we get to watch it and actually be invested. And not just one pick, but we have two picks and potentially more. Yeah. You guys think uh, Nick's yeah. trading down? I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Quarterbacks I think... always, always creep up. Somebody's going to do something stupid for one of these quarterbacks, even though I don't think they're worth it. But what do I know? I think it could be like, yeah, like Malik Willis at three or who knows? I mean, honestly, maybe like the Lions shock the world to take Malik Willis and then Kenny Pickett's the only quarterback available. And then at that point, it's like Carolina, Atlanta, like Pitt, like Pittsburgh, like Saints, like there's so many teams that need a quarterback. And if there's really only one more worth taking, like that number three pick could be tr- really valuable. For and sure, that's the best part sure. about the draft. You just don't know what's going to happen. Like you could yeah. look at a million mock drafts and see like, Every like the top five, that top five, I would love to see a mock draft where the top five is selected every time in the NFL draft to that because that's just not the way it works. No, yeah. no. I mean, some of these guys they'll, they'll they'll tweet out last year where they nailed the top five, but it's like when you did hundred of mocks, hundreds of mocks, like of course yeah. one of them has a chance of of being right. Yeah. For sure, for sure. No one's got a crystal ball, um, but I do think one of the best bets that you can place as a Texans fan is at least at three or at least at 13, like one of those is probably going to be traded out of Nick. Like he he rarely ever shows his hand, but I forget which press conference it was. It was one of the first ones of the offseason, and he made sure to say like third pick, like we're, we're selling basically is what he was saying. So that was even before they got the second first rounder. So definitely, definitely going to see a move there, I think. And then he also said it again in the interview with uh, Sean and Seth on the radio show mm-hmm. in the morning. He's like, um, he's like, he basically said I'm open for business. So like he doubled yeah. down on it. So he's definitely, I, I look where this team's at. Like, I think it makes the most sense to trade back. I get it. Like, but we're coming off of a team prior to Nick Casario and like everybody else where like we were very star forward. Like we had stars everywhere, but we had mm-hmm. no depth no role players like it was just you had jj watt on defense and then like you know obviously there were some players around it but it was never like whitney merciless come on like that didn't really work out like justin reed but like we never really saw anything come out and then you had um on offense like everybody was a first round pick because we sucked so bad on on offense so it's just like like what you know i don't know i'd be okay with us trading back i i we need we have so many holes like honestly i don't think this draft could go bad Unless, you know, they're bust, but you don't know that until 
year three, year four anyways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. For years, the Texans had a solid starters, just no depth. Anybody got hurt, all of a sudden, the season was off the rails. We talked about that. Just the bottom of the roster was just never strong. And we had always consistently hoped with Bill O'Brien and then with Gain, just people coming in ap- after the fact that that's something they would start to focus on. Like, would have a, they did a good job of finding the stars. They just didn't find support. But at this point, like, it's going to be interesting because we're going to have so many young players come onto this team. Mm-hmm. If you just take a step back and actually look at what they're doing instead of crying that they're bringing back the same free agents, they brought back those free agents not because of talent level. Like, they brought them back because the team is going to – I don't want to say be 50% rookies, but, I mean, they're, that, that's actually a realm of possibility. Like, that's not cr- – absolutely crazy to say like there's going to be so much youth on this team that who knows what we're going to have two years from now it could be a whole bunch of stars again it could be a whole bunch of um, medium level players or worst cases they could all be they could be bust but the most important thing is just in my mind and what you know what the seahawks used to do and what the patriots used to do is you trade back and you accumulate picks because you have more of a shot because nobody is going to get every pick right. So if you have more picks, just a better chance of getting quality players. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. I mean, you're lucky if you get above, if you hit on above 50% of them, that's considered good. And so you're right. I, I agree with you. I think getting more chances at bat um, will help. And I think to your point, like to the whole topic about depth versus starters and stars, like the great thing is we got 11 picks, probably gonna have more. And so we can get a chance to get depth, starters and stars. That's the, the best part of this is we can get talent at every single level with all these premium picks we have, all the top 100 picks we have, and then you got the late round picks, like three in the sixth round, like probably going to end up pushing some of those picks down into 2023, maybe even 2024 um, via the Seahawks and, and Patriots model, like you said. So it's going to be a busy, busy, busy weekend for Nick Stereo and his phone. God damn. Well, it's also going to be interesting because last year he would if there was a player he was targeting, he was fairly aggressive to go get him. Yeah. So I don't think we have any clue what this draft is going to be like. We don't know if he's going to stock up. We don't know if there's guys that they've targeted. We, it's going to be entertaining. For sure. Who's going to be the next Nico Collins to trade up for, the next Garrett Wallow to trade up for. Um, and then the good thing is, is we've kind of seen that Nick has had a pretty good draft record in this one year as a Texans GM, as the sole GM. He no longer has Bill Belichick um helping call the shots with the patriots and so all we can kind of go off of is this one year and then he didn't really miss is that fair to say i know that's like a, a pretty common I, thought but i think so yeah i think i mean even like no matter think, what you feel on mills right well like i mean you he, get he hit on mills no matter yeah. how you look at it like yeah. you hit a he's gonna be a career backup worst case scenario right um so yeah i, I would say he hit on every player the only one we really don't know I guess is the linebacker that Wallow. had like Wallow. Yeah, Wallow. Garrett Wallow had one really good game against the Jaguars. I think he like set some franchise record and tackles or something like that. And then that's it. But like that's mm-hmm. it. We don't really know about Wallow. But every other player, I would say he hit on it. Well, I mean, if you're gonna go third round and later, usually the expectation for a third rounder is an NFL player just an NFL player. And then later rounds, like fourth, fifth, sixth round just to get some sort of contribution out of them. 
Yep. And at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say, if nothing else, you could already consider Casario's first draft a success because every one of those players you've got significant NFL snaps from. And Davis Mills is a third rounder. He's going to get a second contract. Like he's already done enough. Like whether or not that's as a starter or as a backup, I mean, there's quarterbacks that have been around the league a lot longer than he has, or that have been around the league for a long time that have done a lot less than he already has. So that's a hit. Nico Collins, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he looks like he could probably be like a third or fourth receiver, but I mean, he still has room for growth. Um, Roy Lopez. Is that the expectation? Is that the expectation for Nico now? Is that he could be a third or fourth receiver? I don't feel like that. I feel like that's what he is right now. There's room for growth still, but I wouldn't. If he's your number one option, you're in trouble. But he could potentially still grow into that role. Yeah, that's how I, I, how I see it. I think he's still the potential is still all there. Nothing's changed for me yeah. from my perspective of him, of him when he was drafted. I think some of this slow kind of start as a rookie might be attributed to the fact that he didn't play in the in the last college season. He sat it out um, for COVID. Um, and so knocking off some rust, getting more comfortable, quarterbacks were changing in and out all the time. He was pretty much like the number three option behind Cooks and Conley. They're also just a run heavy team. Then Tyler offense in general was just barely dysfunctional play calling of Tim <laughs> Kelly. Like there was really nothing going in Nico Collins favor. And so for me, uh, I'm excited to see him in a pep Hamilton office offense. I'm excited to see him, um, with Davis Mills, potentially taking another step forward. Um, and I think I'm, I, I still think he can be a potential maybe low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. That's kind of what I'm looking at. I mean, yeah, that's definitely still there on on the table. And, I mean, he's a willing blocker on top of that. Like, that's something that's kind of underrated. But just look at somebody like Robert Woods, who he was comp to. Yeah. Um, the more that I watched him play, the more that I agreed with that comp. Robert Woods was, prior to getting hurt, was probably the best blocking wide receiver in the NFL. And... Nico Collins is nowhere near that level, but I could still see him kind of growing into that. Like he's going to be around for a while. Hey, I was asked today on Twitter uh, if I would accept the trade from the Eagles, their first this year and their two first next year to move up to three. Would you guys do that? They're sitting at 19 now because of the trade with the Saints? 19, yeah. Oh, man. That's tough. That's tough. So the thing, the conversation, I guess, starts with how do you evaluate these certain draft classes? The 2022 one is kind of viewed as a weaker one because the quarterbacks at the top are not as weak. And even like the wide receivers at the top aren't that great. And it's more of a defensive heavy class. Whereas the 2023 one, it's as of right now, it's kind of viewed as a higher, uh, more valuable class because of so many, so many quarterbacks. And you got guys like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. So they've also got the top defensive stars. So I guess if, if Nick views that class as significantly better than the 2022 class, then I would say pull the trigger. Um, but for me, jumping down from three all the way to 19, like that's a big, big jump in terms of the caliber of player you can potentially get at those particular spots. So my initial reaction says no, but if you're really, really sold on that 2023 class, then I would understand making that trade. Yeah, I think I, I look at it as I, I kind of look at it like you, Jordan, except though I don't see it as moving all the way back to 19. I see that we have that mm-hmm. 13 buffer yeah, where sure. it's like you could still kind of get that that impact player that you're looking for at 13. I mean, if you look at the draft, like 
Jamison Williams could be there. Like there's 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 a ton of players that could potentially be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now you're kind of bolstered up for for next year too. You got four ones in the draft, which literally, no matter how the season goes, gives you the opportunity to make a move to do whatever, whatever guy it is. It gives you, it gives you the, the hand that you need in poker to kind of win it all. If you want to, or it gives you the opportunity to trade those for other assets in the season, whatever it may be. Um, I, I think I would take the deal. Well, I think it also, bleed, of, it also goes with your, your scouting department. Like if it, the consensus out there right now seems to be that there's one or two guys in this draft that may be a star and that's it. But then there's a whole lot of guys that could end up being role players for a long time. If you truly believe that, like if that's the report you're getting back, like there's no one that's a definitive three, like if the you're, you've got more players on, on your, your second tier than you do on your first tier, like you only have one or two people on your first tier. then yeah, like then I think it makes sense because you're just stockpiling assets. But if you have somebody that you're targeting and you're like, Hey, so you have, I know Sauce Gardner right now, right now is everybody's like a favorite, but say that you have him, um, Hutch and I don't know, I don't even know who I'd put, um, Hamilton, you have those three as your, your top tier player and two of them are gone at, I think if that's who's in your top tier, especially with as deprived as we are of talent, you just, you keep that pick. But if you honestly don't believe that there's that big of a difference, then you trade back and just get more players. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point, John. I think that's a great point. I think at the end of the day, how I view draft trades, um, it should come down to who's available on the board. That's why I was a little confused when the Saints and Eagles made that trade because clearly the Saints are trying to move up and get their guy, but they don't, they don't know if they're going to be available at the spot that they traded up to. So it's just adding that layer of risk involved. Um, and so, yeah, the trade da- at, at the end of the day comes down to um, like your scouting department and, and who you feel strongly about at those certain positions, at least for me, for those draft slots, yeah. And I agree yeah. with you, Jordan. I think in the sense of like what the Saints did yesterday, like mm-hmm. you, you really just have no idea yeah. what you gave up and for what. Like you, there's no way that you're going to be able to predict how this draft is going to go. Mm-hmm. And I've never understood trades that happen two, three weeks prior to the trade deadline, unless it's to the number one. Like if it's to the number one, yeah. maybe number two, like that makes sense. You know, you're going to get one or, you know, two guy. But outside of that, like it's a pure crapshoot. You have absolutely no idea. And you just gave up a shit ton of draft capital to be able to do it. It doesn't make yeah. any sense for that. I mean, yeah. maybe it'll start to make more sense as we get closer to the draft. But as of right now, that just... I'm in complete agreement with y'all. That leaves me just scratching my head. Like, who are you targeting? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. For me, I thought like, so yeah, going with your logic, like if they move up to 16, um, I think they went from 18 to 16. That was like the main um, move there. There's still 15 teams ahead of you. Like there's no way you can predict what those 15 teams are going to do. And I'm sure they, they have their sources or whatnot, and they communicate with all these other GMs and scouting departments, and they kind of get a feel for what positions and maybe what players teams like, but teams are going to lie all the time. They're not going to try and do you any favors and tell you who they're going to take. There's just no way. And so kind of thinking that, thinking about that and piecing that together, I guess for the Saints particularly, I kind of now think that maybe they're just trying to get those two first so that they can trade up even more for the quarterback. I don't know. I think they have two paths there. So 
But that's the Saints. We don't got to talk about them all day. But you have to wonder, and yeah, you're right. Like we should probably move off of that. But you have to wonder, like with with like only fifteen, like fifteen and sixteen, right? Yeah. And is that all they have, right? The Saints. I'm gonna double I believe check. So. Like, is is that even enough to move up to three if you need a quarterback, possibly, or six or eight? Well, there's um, talk that the Saints can put together. Um... The package they can put together would be just short on the trade value chart. However, there's a belief that the Texans were very interested in a couple of Saints players with the Deshaun trade. Mm-hmm. And so that there's always already might be a little bit of a framework there. Yeah, so they have 16 and they have 19. Um, and they also have a second round pick, which is the 49th overall. So that would be three top 50 picks. And then you talk of putting in a, a young starter on a rookie scale contract which is what nick casario wanted and as part of that watson deal very intriguing very very intriguing then you'd have 13 you'd have 16 and you'd have 19 which are all in that range of like john said like if those guys can all fall into your tier two getting three of those tier two guys rather than one tier one and one tier two that that might be really enticing for nick yeah yeah not only that you have to wonder and uh i don't know maybe i'm kind of weird but i tend to think outside the box but like if if you're at three and you take malik willis as the texans and you have no intention of i know that's crazy right (laughs) but if you think about it right if if that's what people i mean that's the quarterback people are coveting yep Yep. so if it's if it is malik willis and let's say kenny pickett's the second guy and that's it because i'm Pretty sure those are the only two quarterbacks we're taking in the first round. If you're going to there's take, there's a them. there's a couple of scouts out there that are absolutely in love with Desmond Ritter. Yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's your... got great touch. He's got great touch. <laughs> like great touch. He's your kind of Mac Jones of this year. He's the super experienced um, four or five year starter. I think he has actually the third most wins in college football history. Um, he's really elevated that Cincinnati program. Um, so he's like a pro ready guy, kind of high floor and then like a decently high ceiling because he's athletic. He's got a good arm. Like he's got those kind of physical traits that you'd look to develop like a Josh Allen, like a Mahomes. Um, I guess since we're talking about quarterbacks, I love Matt Corral. He's kind of my guy um, out of Ole Miss. I think he started the year off on fire and everyone was talking about him as quarterback one. And then he dealt with injuries and he lost four starters on their offense. And so they kind of had to change it up a lot. Um, he still produced decently, but yeah, the numbers ta- tailored off a little bit. Um, but I see a lot in terms of like a player comp. I see a lot of Deshaun Watson, purely the player. Not going to talk about the person, purely <laughs> the player. He reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson. Um, and yeah, I don't know. He's my guy, but. I, mean, I haven't I, watched his tape, so I honestly, I don't know, but I've seen a lot of people mm-hmm. talk a lot about him. Matt, Cor- I mean, he's fun to watch. That's what, I, that's the best way I could describe Matt Corral, especially, um, this past year with Ole Miss and when yeah. they were just, when they were straight humming that offense, I mean, they were fun as much as you don't like, or I don't like Lane Kiffin. I, he put oh. together something that was, that was fun to watch. Uh, I mean, my opinion on the quarterbacks is I don't love any of them. In one of our first two picks, yep. but if you could get Crow or Ritter or Pickett or I mean, Willis definitely won't be there in the second round. But, I mean, if you could get one of those three guys at the top of the second round, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, I, that's what I've said repeatedly about about Mills is he, unless you're in love of a quarterback, the Texans don't feel pressure to go get one. Like, that's overwhelming the best thing that he did last year. 
Like he's done enough to, of course, continue to earn to earn starts, but he's also taken that pressure off Casario. Or if he went out there and just continued to bomb the entire year, we would have to take a long, hard look at these quarterbacks. And I mean, none of them jump off the film. No, none, none at all. It's it's been touted as a weak quarterback class. Um, and I, I, I agree with that to an extent, but then to kind of push back and I guess play devil's advocate, I would say that a lot of the time it's like what we talked about this entire time. It's so hard to figure out the draft. We just don't yeah. know. And like people are, are, are mentioned, I've seen this brought up on Twitter is like the Watson and Mahomes quarterback class that was viewed as a bad quarterback class. Like it was. Josh Allen was viewed as a bad quarterback. So like, statistically, never know. yeah, statistically and historically, like one or two of these quarterbacks is going to hit and is going to be kind of a star and being a franchise guy. And it's just about picking the right one. And so if the Texans can take that risk in the second round rather than the first round, like I'd be all for that for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you're right. Like I've said it multiple times here in the Deshaun Watson saga is you don't draft a Deshaun Watson. You luck into him. Yeah. Um, quarterbacks, you just, you can't predict them. There's so much that goes into playing that position. They can have all the physical skills, but they may not have the mentality. They may have the mentality, but they don't have the physical skills. Or they may have too much of the mentality, like Baker Mayfield, who's just apparently, <laughs> you know, like there's so many places you can land on that spectrum to get the guy that's just the guy. Now, if the Texans identify a quarterback in this class that they are absolutely in love with, then they can go get them. But they don't have that pressure where they have to feel like they have to force themselves to do that. And we say this, and Davis Mills did a lot of really good things last year too. So, you know, it's just, it's an actual, it's not the best situation. If we had a playoff cal caliber roster, I think we'd feel a little bit different. But where this roster is and as many holes as there are, like there is zero pressure to go get a quarterback. Like if one of them falls, then awesome. Yeah. I would actually be disappointed if we go with either the third or 13th pick and actually pick a quarterback. Yeah. If, if Malik Willis is there at 13, would you guys be upset? Um, no, because I think the final variable that we kind of haven't touched on yet is Pep Hamilton and how his proven track record of success of developing these quarterbacks um, has, he's got another notch on his belt with Davis Mills. I mean, seeing the development and the improvement that he helped Mills through from the first half of the season to the second half of the season, if he can do that with Davis Mills, like imagine what he can do with Malik Willis, who just naturally just has a bigger arm is more athletic. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that can really be argued. I'm not trying to put down Davis Mills, but that's what's so enticing about Malik Willis. And so if you have this quarterback guru and Pep Hamilton who can train him um, and, and just bring out the best in him, like at 13, that's great value right there. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, I can't see, can you guys see us taking a quarterback at 13? Can you see him taking a quarterback in, in with the first two picks? I honestly cannot, but I mean, could be wrong. Um, but that's kind of been my whole point the whole time. Like, I mean, Willis, yeah, he has all the physical skills you could ever want in a quarterback. Um, but he's still, he's still very raw. And I mean, yeah, with Pep Hamilton, maybe, but I would almost, I would almost rather, I would really, I think the best way to go is you give Davis Mills another, another try. And if it's not Davis Mills, the next year, we're in a much better position for a stronger quarterback class. Yep. If it Davis Mills is the guy, then well, 
then great. <laughs> great. I mean, we're still going to be in the top 15 in picks, but if he's not the guy, we're going to quite possibly be picking one or two again. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't put money on the Texans ending up taking a quarterback in the first two picks. Um, I think another thing that we're seeing, the only way that we can kind of get a read on the players that they like and might target is who's visiting them. And so we've seen Sauce Gardner, Kyir Elam. We've seen that they're going to um, have Hutchinson and Thibodeau there. Um, I believe Equonu as well. So we haven't seen a single thing about any of those top quarterbacks, about Willis, about Pickett, Ritter, Corral, none of them. Um, and, and maybe that'll come. Maybe they're just doing them at the end. But at this point, how it currently stands, what they've said about Mills, how they've kind of invested in, you know, just those kind of backup quarterbacks as well. Um, I think they're going to ride with Mills. Yeah. And I mean, just on top of that, unless you just think that one of the quarterbacks is just another, just, I don't know, like second coming of Andrew Luck, like that sure of a bet you wouldn't really want to take one this year just because of the situation the team's in. We're not a quarterback away. We have yeah. to build up so much more. So if next year, if you even have a quarterback that's kind of equivalent to what's available this year, equivalent or better, that gives you a longer window because yep. you still got to build up everything around the quarterback. And you want to open that window with, because you have a, when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, you essentially have a five-year window where you have a lot more freedom with the salary cap because you're not paying a quarterback. If you can push that off till next year or the year after because your team's not ready, that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. Honestly, it's the most like financially valuable asset you can have is a talented rookie on, sorry, a talented quarterback still on the rookie quarterback contract. We saw it with the Chiefs and Mahomes. We're seeing it now with the Chargers and Justin Herbert. And we talked all this time about, you know, the Texans and us putting together the depth. We build up all this depth. Maybe we get a few starter caliber players here and there. Your Malik Collinses, your Kimmy Gruger Hills. And then you find your quarterback, get him on a rookie contract. And then throughout those next five years, and you can add those big ticket free agent um, additions and then hopefully build your stars that way. So I think that's a, a very legitimate and feasible plan, um, theoretically, of course. Now they just got to yeah. execute on it. I mean, right now it looks like next year when all the uh, when all the dead cap rolls off, like our our cap space will be just otherworldly. Right? Yeah. If Davis Mills is the guy, if they hit on this year's rookie draft picks, then as soon as next year they can start spending on those vets to make the team a legit com uh, competitor. Mm -hmm. If they're not ready, well, then they can just save that cap space, but. You're not paying a court. You're no longer having a quarterback contract that's going to eat into that. Like this could just be literally on depth. Okay, and also when it comes down to the quarterbacks, like when we were talking about quarterbacks, mm -hmm. like in, in Jordan, you brought up like the Deshaun class wasn't supposed to be good, the Josh Allen class wasn't supposed to be good. Like this happens actually. It seems almost every two to three years. Yeah, there's a lull of quarterbacks, but like we've also seen that with those quarterbacks that weren't supposed to be any good, like when you have the pieces and you have the coaching staff and you have the time to develop these guys that are not touted as top tier quarterbacks can actually turn into something. Justin yeah. Herbert is a prime example of it. Josh Allen is a prime example of it. Honestly, you could say Patrick Mahomes is a prime. It may be even the best example of it because nobody was a fan of Patrick Mahomes. Coming into that draft, everybody thought he was just an air raid quarterback. He didn't know how to go through his reads. Like, nobody expected Patrick Mahomes to be 
what he has become. But when you surround that quarterback with talent and great coaching and a good front office that can build a roster, somehow now these quarterbacks are able to actually do more. And it's like, so you have to wonder if any of the teams do see Millie Willis or Kenny Pickett or even Matt Coral uh, in that light. Because Pittsburgh is one of those teams that could easily, very easily produce at the quarterback position by taking a, a rookie. I mean, they have the talent on the roster. I would actually cut in and say the opposite. Look at teams that aren't ready to have a quarterback and how they destroy these um, prospects that are supposed to be can't missed. Um, look at Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota's careers. Look at, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence, but it didn't get off to the best start. Like this is a can't miss guy and you're just letting him get it shredded. So it doesn't, I would almost argue that the exact op, well, it's the exact same point. Yeah. <laughs> if your team's ready for a quarterback, you can take a, a second tier quarterback and elevate them. If your team's not ready for a quarterback, you could take a top quarterback. You could take the top quarterback of all time and you're going to drag them down. Yeah. No, you guys are both. Yeah. You both you guys are basically saying the same thing, but from yeah. both different team perspectives. And, and I agree. And I think in terms of James's point about, you know, taking these raw quarterbacks and, and having them on talented teams. Like, I think that's why scouts are always like bet on the traits because like you talk about all the quarterbacks you mentioned, like Mahomes, Herbert, um, all those guys, Allen, Allen. they're all, yeah, all raw in terms of like the mental aspect of it, in terms of reading defenses, going through your reads, yada, 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 your mechanics, but like all that stuff is fixable. And what's not fixable or what's not improvable is like all of their athletic traits, their big arm, their mobility, their just, you know, ability to like make crazy plays scrambling around off script. And so there's going to be a lot of teams who are going to buy into Malik Willis because of that. But then you look at the other guys like Kenny Pickett, and Desmond Ritter, and that's kind of not their game. They're more like the pro-ready, pocket passers. And, and so I don't know that we're going to actually see that many teams trade up for one of these guys, but definitely Malik Willis will be will be the crown jewel for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the third pick overall. Um, ideally, and, and you know, if you were, we're looking at the draft, I mean, we're only, what, two weeks away? Three, three weeks away now? Um, mm-hmm. Kavion has fallen, it seems, even though that's probably not accurate. Um, Kyle's Kyle Hamilton has fallen, uh, according to some reports. Um, uh, can the Texans really mess up the pick at three? I guess, and I'll start with you, Jordan, but like with this roster, even if they were to go tackle, which seems to be a pretty hot topic on Texans Twitter, if they go tackle, is are they truly messing up the team? Like, is there a way, is there a pick in the top five picks that you know people have pretty much highly regarded as those top five picks, can the Texans really mess up the number third, the number three pick overall? I would say messing up not necessarily because if you take a tackle, um, it'll come down to kind of the moves that you make afterwards. Because clearly, you already have kind of a your two tackle set with Tunsil and with Titus. Now, if you go take a guy like Evan Neal, you go take a guy like Ikemekwanu. The great thing is both of them have played guard in college. So potentially moving either one of those guys to guard, I would be much more in favor of that rather than moving Titus to guard. So <laughs> it's kind of what like this, it's taking a tackle would set off a chain reaction. And so what you do with your second and your third moves of that chain reaction will dictate whether or not you, that draft pick at three 
is like going wrong. In a sense. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm explaining this the best way, but I think you can still take a tackle. And if, as long as you have the right plan in place, um, it's not going to be kind of a waste of a pick or a bad pick. Okay. All right, John. I mean, short of taking a punter. Um... <laughs> well, they're, they're not in the top five of what everybody's talked about. So. <laughs> That you kind of missed that nugget there, John. No, I, I heard it, but that, I mean that's just kind of kind of my point. Like we have need everywhere. I mean, even if it's taking a, a a tackle and moving somebody to guard, like that's obviously a need. Offensive line is a need. Yep. Um, so I really don't think they can screw it up. Um, I mean, there's other things that could potentially happen, like. Whomever's the third overall can end up being injury prone or something like that. But just from a strategy base, like this is one of those where it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch them this year and actually low stress because there's not an agreement on a need because we need everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I agree. I, I really can't see it. Like even like with what Jordan said, like even if you do take a tackle. Uh, let's say you take Evan Neal. Um, you know, there's a corresponding move that's likely to lead to something else, right? I mean, I kind of see like the Evan, if we took Evan Neal and moved off of Tunsil, which, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen. But if we did, like the positives to that, you have a great left tackle at, on a five-year rookie contract that is going to be a staple to your offense moving forward. And then you have a tradable asset in Laramie Tunsil and also – freedom of cap space once moved. Um, so, yeah, I really can't see a situation where with what the Texans can do at three, they could really mess this up. Um, maybe taking a quarterback, but, like, honestly, even then, like, I don't know if that truly messes it up. If they believe he's the guy, like, who the hell are we to be like, yeah, that like, we messed up the pick. You used a third-round pick on Davis Mills last year. Like, it, and that'll be the argument. That, that, well, I, mean, I promise you. I promise you that'll be on Twitter if they did. If, so if they like up, wasted a third round pick. That, well, they did it because Davis Mills is improved. Well, no, style. I agree. Yeah. With, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I'm just saying, I know, like, I could see Rivers doing that, right? He's already oh, had him drafted. <laughs> no, I mean, the only problem that I would potentially have is if you draft one of these offensive tackles and you move him to guard. Because then you're essentially moving, drafting a guard with the third pick. I mean, it always depends on how it all shakes out. Um, I would hope they don't move Titus Howard back to guard because he just played so much better as a tackle. But I mean, even then, like that would be the, the only thing to me that would be kind of frustrating. Like if it's a quarterback that they absolutely love, I trust Pep Hamilton to have identified him, and that's the reason they're going after him. Like they've shown enough. Well, Pep Hamilton's at least shown enough with um, developing and having an eye for quarterback talent that, you kind of have to trust them on that regards, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's very, very low pressure in, in my thought because whomever they end up picking, we need them. Yeah. And, and I want to touch on that kind of that quarterback point. Let's say in a hypothetical world, we do end up taking Malik Willis at three. Let's say he ends up being who we think he is, a franchise quarterback, all that stuff, all that good stuff. Um, and now, like you said, we got Davis Mills who has kind of improved his stock from a third round pick. What do you guys see his trade value as? And and would you want to like kind of move on from him quickly and get what you can, or do you want to just have that really great backup quarterback? Um, I'll go to you first, James. Oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. That's a really good question, Jordan. Cause like, 
one, like with the rookie, like you just you just don't know. Like, and you can't give up on the rookie in the first year. So it's like, do you want him like in a Patrick Mahomes situation where he's he's playing behind Davis and like mm-hmm. Davis is building his tra- draft value and like Malik is learning the system and building rapport, rapport with the with the wide receivers and the tight end and the offensive line and Pep Hamilton and the coaching staff. And he's just kind of taking that red shirt year to get acclimated to the NFL. Like one, that's going to piss off the entire fan base. Yeah. Like the entire fan base is going to erupt <laughs> because it's, why did you use that pick to draft him? Um, and then two, like, I don't know if, like, what could you get? I think you could get a third. For, I think you could get a third for Davis Mills. Like, I don't see a situation where you couldn't get a third for Davis Mills, to be honest with you. I, I mean, you should be able to get a second, I feel like. Maybe a later second, but you should yeah. be able to get a second for Davis Mills. I think he showed up to garner a second. Right I mean, now. we traded two two seconds for Schaub, and he had less of a track record than Davis Mills said at the time. He never even started, I don't think. Yeah. So, I mean, if a team feel, felt like they were a quarterback away, could potentially come get Davis Mills. Or he plays another year as the starter and lets the rookie sit. It would be odd, to say the least, um, just because no one on this class. It's not the situation where you had Kyle, Kyle Murray and uh, Josh Rosen, because Josh Rosen obviously struggled, did not look good. And Kyler Murray, I mean, he's just an, an exception. Just he was an exceptional athlete, like other than size, like that was his only red flag. But other than that, he was a very, very, very exceptional quarterback uh, prospect. So that was pretty cut and dry. Like you knew that you were improving. There's not a quarterback that you take this year that I would say you can say with a hundred percent certainty is going to be an improvement over Mills. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement for sure. So I guess it's a it's a difficult question. I guess making. What so, do you think he's worth, Jordan? Okay, what do I think he's worth? Um, yeah, I don't think you can go lower than a third. Um, what I would say is maybe a third and like a fifth or potentially a late second, like you said. Um, but I do think he's outperformed his draft slot and thus would be worth more than a third. And because quarterbacks are the most valuable position, most valuable commodity, their prices are always going to be a little, little higher than every other position. And it's rare that you get a quarterback on his rookie contract, really just in his second year of his deal. Um, so that's going to be a, a very interesting negotiation for Nick Casario to make, but I do think late second or a third and maybe a day three pick um, would be his value. Do you think you've watched, I would probably assume that you've probably watched more Davis Mills film than probably anybody else on Texans Twitter. I think that's a fair assessment. I I, I honestly don't believe anybody has watched Davis Mills the way you have coming out of the season. I know you're, I'm not going to ask you if you're, stance has changed as far as whether he should be a starter or a backup. But I will ask, like, based on what you thought the night he was drafted to now, what has changed for you on your perception of Davis Mills? Because you weren't you were not happy that he was drafted. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean I think that's fair. You weren't you weren't happy. Yep. And I think that's okay. I think that's a fair I mean look, we all know the likelihood of a third round pick becoming anything is very slim. And it doesn't make sense when you have a roster with so many holes coming off of a season where you're not playing your quarterback. Like I totally get the frustrations with it, but, but since that time, now that you've had time to reflect and look back on it, like 
where do you look at that pick and like what are your thoughts on it now? My thoughts on it now is that I was definitely, you know, an emotional like heat of the moment, like uh, just a little bit frustrated because I felt that with the shape of the roster, yes, like there should have been many other better players that we could have taken. And I didn't believe in Mills's ceiling. I thought, and we were from like, even from the quarterback discussion we've been having all this time is like, if you're going to go take a quarterback, you want to go bet on like the traits that you just can't coach, like the athletic traits um, and stuff like that. So like their arm, the mobility, mobility, et cetera. And I thought Mills didn't really show to have those elite traits in college in terms of an elite arm, in terms of elite mobility. Um, and so I was like, if we're going to take a quarterback in the mid rounds, which I totally get, I just wanted one with high upside. Um, and that didn't seem like Mills to me. Now going over his film and the improvements that he made, I will absolutely 100% admit that like he made improvements. He looked better than I thought he would be for such a raw college player who had very little experience. So all credit deserved to him. Um, and I think I'm going to not have a very great answer here, not the answer that people want to hear, but I think I just need to see more. That's yeah. really what it comes down to at the end of the day before I kind of make a big judgment over whether or not he can be the guy to be a franchise quarterback, be a Super Bowl contending quarterback. Sure. Um, I just need a bigger sample size. But I love what I've seen so far, and I think that the arrow is trending upwards 100%. And I think in terms of one of the main traits I was looking at, mobility, like he showed that he's not a statue. Like he's he's definitely not a statue in the pocket. He can move around. He had some very surprising like jukes and being able to make the first guy miss and, and dump it off for a little check down or scramble for a few yards. Like he's not a statue back there. So that's a plus. Um, I think what I want to see more of is basically anticipatory throws, more consistency on the deep ball, like in the latter half of the second season, if he can just continue that for the entire season, like, man, you've got something there. Cause he was making some difficult, difficult throws. So I think that was pointed up. Um, and I would definitely say I was, Got, I let the emotions and the and the heat of the moment get to me on draft. We all do sure. that. We yeah. all do that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, and that I think, like every time I'd see somebody come after you, I'm like, dude, you guys just don't get it. You guys, you guys literally feel the exact same way about Deshaun, and you guys have all acted emotionally, like myself included, like about the whole Deshaun situation. And Jordan hasn't showed it once with that situation, but he showed it with the Davis Mills pick. Like it's no different <laughs> than what you guys have done all these other times. Um, yeah, I think I've just always gone back to with Mills is the fact that like I just I look at the roster and I look at the play calling and I look at just the scheme and the lack of run game. And it's like, I just don't know who could have succeeded in that role. Like, honestly, I believe you could have like you could have put Malik Willis there or you could have put any of these quarterbacks. And honestly, I don't know if they would have done what Mills did at times. And like, that's what I always go back to. It's like with no support whatsoever, what expectation can you really have for a guy with 11 career starts like yeah. i don't think you can have any you can just kind of be optimistic yeah yeah and i think that's definitely something that needs to be weighed in especially when we're having this conversation about oh what helps make all these quarterbacks more successful is when they're drafted into these good teams that have all the coaching have all the talent have the o-line the weapons etc cetera, etc cetera. and mills had none of that he was drafted into a, a Jameis winston scenario marcus mariota scenario yeah. like john said um and he looked like them in the beginning half of the first season but he took the time he they clearly did a, a, some sort of like self-evaluation and, and worked on some of his things and he got way more comfortable and looked like a completely different quarterback like you could definitely you could genuinely tell me that we played two different 
quarterbacks like in Davis Mills, like two different versions of him. And I would 100% yeah. believe you because it looked night and day. And that type of in-season development is, is honestly really, really rare. Um, so I think there could be something something special there potentially. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see more. I just want a bigger sample size. And, and that's kind of where I stand on it. I yeah. think and I mean, we've got a – other than the Patriots, like the teams, the defenses that he torched were not good defenses. Yeah. Um, however, the Patriots are the outlier. Like that's where he also seemed to find himself. And that Patriots. That was the one defense. game that we, we should have won. Yeah. <laughs> based off of his performance. Yeah. And I mean, the things you got to look at with Mills is he, he has, for a rookie, he had much better pocket awareness than I expected. Um, Except for the jump sacks. I'll never yeah. understand the jump sacks. I'll, <laughs> there, there, I'll there, never there, understand the jump sacks. Nobody could ever break that down for me. There was a, I mean, yeah, there was definitely a couple of moments, but I think part of it was also he, he got hit a lot. Um, he did. And it was time for him to make uh, his time to throw was actually really good for a rookie. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't remember the, I should have kept my sources, but there was three things to kind of point out on the positive Davis mills. Uh, first off uh, deep ball um, highest uh, passer rating. Um, he ended the season with it. I mean, granted sample sizes are always something, but that's still something that's impressive because that was a concern coming in. Could he throw a consistent deep ball? Um the second thing was there's a really good Twitter account to follow that talks about how much does the quarterback elevate the talent around him. And they had ranked the Texans as the second worst situation on offense behind the Jaguars. And the thing that kind of stood out from there was Davis Mills elevated the talent better than Trevor Lawrence around him. Um, granted, that's all, I mean, the you can cherry pick stats and whatnot. Uh, Trevor Lawrence also had more games, but that's still interesting. And the third one was just his, um, his decision-making. Like he was, he's on the positive scale when it comes to rookies and just how often he would make throws under, I think it's under 2.4 seconds that it actually led to positive plays. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. And I, I like the stats you're bringing up. I think the stats, like you guys know me, I'm not, I'm not a big stats guy, but I think there's a lot that are in Davis Mills favor. Um, and then there's all obviously also ones that you can kind of cherry pick in terms of like some of his passes or sorry, some of his passing yards came in like blowouts late, like fourth quarter, stuff like that. Like people are going to point that out as well. So I guess just to see both sides of it, but at the end of the day, for me, like the film um, it's, it trumps all. And it don't lie. And I can't say it and say that I can't sit here and say that the film of the second half of the season was bad because it wasn't, it was good. It was like a starting caliber quarterback. That's what he looked like. And he just looked a lot more comfortable. Um, so I'm excited to see him build on it um, yeah. next season. I'm, I mean, the problem with all of that is just sample size. Yeah. Like, did he just get hot? Like, did he just have a really, really good hot streak or is this something he can actually build on? I just the hot argument is really hard for me to buy into just because of the roster, like I, I and like the the scheme and the offense, like that offensive line. Like I, it's really hard for me to be like, oh, he just got hot. Like how do you get hot when you your leading rusher has seven hundred and twenty yards? Like how how do you get hot when you don't have a run game to complement you as a as a passer? Like oh, there's a uh, there was a a TikTok guy that pointed out something really really important about Davis Mills that I would encourage y'all to pay attention to is his ability to, to split levels with his throw. 
So getting it high enough that the ball doesn't get tipped or or um, or smacked down, but not so high where he overthrows the receiver or puts it in, in an uncatchable spot. Hmm. Yeah, I'll check that out. Um, all right, um, enough about Davis Mills. Definitely didn't expect to go down that path. Um, <laughs> but that's what happens when you haven't talked to Jordan in forever. Uh, I want to get all those thoughts. Um, and then, all right, so third pick overall. 13th pick overall, Jordan in a dream scenario, or let's just say dream scenario for you, 3-13, and 13, no tradebacks. Casario's on the clock at 3-13, and 13, and he walks away with X and Y, and it's a win. Yeah, my dream scenario uh, would definitely be a pairing of Kyle Hamilton and Jermaine Johnson. I think Kyle Hamilton is one of those guys that we've talked about all along is like, this Texans team at the stage of the roster building process they were at, like so many holes. So just go get the best player available. And I really truly believe Kyle Hamilton is the one player in this class that has the chance to actually be generational just because of his pure athleticism, his size, his versatility, his instincts um, and his production and, and just playmaking value. Like he makes game changing plays in terms of turnovers um, and whatnot. So he's making those big plays. So I really think he can be the guy at three um, that you can build your defense around. Now, the, the trade-off there with taking Kyle Hamilton is like, okay, maybe you pass up on an edge rusher like Kayvon Thibodeau, like Aiden Hutchinson. The great thing about this class is it's a super strong edge class. And I've got six guys with a first-round grade. Um, my third overall guy is Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, and he would be my dream pick at 13. I think he is the type of guy that can be your kind of number one pass rusher the guy to get double digit sacks to get like 18 to 20 tackle for losses a season. Like he's going to fill the stat sheet because of his power, because of his speed, because of his motor. Um, and he's one of those guys that is just super, super physical. And that's what the Texans have been trying, have been saying they want to get is these physical. They want to be a physical football team. They want to be fast, fly to the ball. And that really explains Jermaine Johnson to a T. So that would be my duo at three and 13. Okay. All right, John. So this is a this would require a little bit of luck. But my dream scenario would we somehow walk away with both Sauce Gardner and Kyle Hamilton. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Would require a, a lot of luck. Um, but there's a little bit of the Patriots mentality where they would build from the back of the defense forward. Um, if you can cover, you can develop pass rushers. Part of it is also that if you could get. If you could get like a good secondary uh, secondaries usually last a little bit longer. So it does lengthen the, the window. Um, I just like both players a whole bunch. And this talk that Kyle Hamilton may fall back and salsa sauce Gardner, you could probably still trade back if you stay within the top 10 and there's a chance maybe like it's not realistic. It would require a lot of luck and a lot of things breaking the right way. But like, that would be my absolute dream scenario. Because, I mean, me walking away happy, like, honestly, I'm going to be excited with whomever we bring in. Like, again, there's so many solid prospects this year. There's so many holes on our team. Like, there's no one that I'm going to be upset that they get displaced by a rookie. But dream scenario is somehow magic happens and we end up with Sauce and Kyle Hamilton. Or, you know what, um, if uh, the Derek's it, shoot from um, from LSU. Like replace either one of those guys with him. Derek like, Stingley. Either way, Stingley. There we go. Uh, yeah. So 
just work that in. We come come away with two of the three top secondary prospects. I, I would definitely take that. All three of us are defensive guys. Uh, and I think yeah. it's pretty, pretty clear. Um, and it kind of has been for a long time. Um, so I'm going to reverse it now. And John, I'm going to go to you and then I'll go back to Jordan. Let's take def- defense off of the board. Let's say they go heavy offense. Really want to see if Mills is the guy. Put the best roster around him on offense. If it was an offensive-driven draft by Casario, who would you like to see at 3-13? and 13? Was it John first or was it me? It was John, but he's puzzled, so I'll let you go. <laughs> well, you I mean, that was a, a deep breath because part of me still isn't really on board with the, the tackle, but, I mean... Going with, going with Icky. Um, I mean, you saw what could happen if you get a solid guard, um, like with the Colts. Like, it can make a big difference. And then Olave out of uh, out of Ohio State. Um, I think that he's going to stick around and be a player for a while. Um, so yeah, those those would be the two that I'd go. How about you, Jordan? Yeah, I have a very similar path. Um, I would prefer Ike Mekwonu, um over Neil because I think he's more built to play guard than Neil is. I think they can both be great tackles, but Neil being 6'7", Ikwonu being 6'4", like you just don't see many 6'7 guards nowadays. So I think he has, Ikwonu has a better chance to succeed at guard. Um, so I go with him at three. I think he fits our scheme perfectly in terms of the power run game we want. I think he would be kind of our, like his highlights, like they they look like Quentin Nelson. Like his highs are absolutely high. He's not as polished as Neil is, um, but hopefully we can get him there. Hopefully our line coach can get him there. Um, as for 13, man, there's so many good wide receivers at the top here. It's really just kind of a pick whoever you think fits your scheme best. Um, I think Traylon Burks out of Arkansas is the most naturally talented and gifted dude that, Hey man, if he goes to the right spot, like he is going to be like an offensive player of the year type of player. Um, are the Texans that spot though? I don't know because we kind of have question marks around like, what is our like offensive identity? Like, do we have a wide receiver coach? We believe can really coach up a guy like Traylon Burks who might be a little bit more raw in his route running. So I kind of want to go with a bit more of a safer pick and mine would be the other Ohio state wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. Um, I think he's kind of your safe pick because he's the best route runner in this class. He separates the best before the catch and after the catch, he's a yak monster. Um, and that's something that Pep Hamilton's offense is, is going to want because they rely on the quick game so much. Um, and the great thing about Wilson and how he fits really to the Texans is his one knock is his size. He's a bit skinnier. So you start him off year one as a rookie in the slot. You got Cooks, Nico, and Wilson. And then whatever happens with Cooks, whether he's traded, whether he just ends our contract, whether he's extended, like if you have a hole on the outside there, then you can move Wilson to the outside in the future. But you train him at slot so he doesn't have to go get bullied on the outside by physical, stronger, grown men. Um, and I think that's a good developmental plan. So that would be my move, Equanu and, and Wilson. Or, I mean, here's a thought. We could also trade back and you take whatever wide receivers left over and yep. then reach for uh, uh, Brees Hall. Oof. So that kind of goes... I mean, yeah, if you are if you want to be super aggressive and build up a team around around Mills, take an offensive lineman, trade back your 13, take whatever receivers left over and bring in Hall. I mean, Watson may still be there too. Because I think Brees Hall is going to go earlier than he should. 
So why don't we be the team that does it? <laughs> no, I don't agree with it because um, I don't think he'll, I think he'll be good, but I don't think he'll be good long enough to make a difference on a team, uh, on a Texans playoff team. But I mean, if you really want to double down, like that's how you'd get a something out of it. You'd get a pretty good offense pretty quickly that way. Jordan, let me ask you this. Do you see, um, do you see, oh God, uh, hold on. Sorry. My work slack's going off. Do you see Tyler Lindenbaum as a guard in the NFL? Uh, no. So his biggest knock is, is his size, his height, his arm length. It's not ideal. Um, he's a free player. He's going to be a top 10 player on my board. Um, but he's one of those guys who's very scheme specific. Um, and that's particular to a zone scheme. Like you want to maximize his skills, which is being athletic, being fast, being agile, being explosive. And that really looks good in a, in a zone scheme as purely as a center. Um, and so as a guard, you're asking him to go up against a little bit bigger defensive tackles. You have to be just naturally stronger because you have to deal with solo blocks a lot more often. So I don't really see Linderbaum as a as a guard. I see him purely as a center and purely in a zone scheme. Okay. Okay. Uh, so for my ideal defensive draft, um, Kavion would be my guy. I, I really think you got to win in the trenches to win in the NFL, especially yep. on defense. I, I do agree that Kyle Hamilton – is one of those players that's likely going to be talked about out of this draft class for an extremely long time might end up being the best player in in the draft i just don't know if where the texans are at if he could make enough of an impact to truly warrant being taken third overall um i think kavion can um and i think he has a, a lot more potential in the sense of what this team really needs um, so I would go Kavion and then I would also go, um, with, um, God, what's his name? You said his name earlier, Jermaine Johnson. I'd actually go edge back to back, um, and apply some pressure on the press on the, uh, from the pass rush. If, if it was an offensive draft, I would go Equanu at guard and I would literally just either trade back or whatever it may be to grab the guard from A&M. Um, and then I'd probably take Brees Hall in like the second round and let like, let's start to build the offensive line and let's start to build a complimentary run game to Davis. Cause I think that that would be the best path for Davis to have some long-term success with this team is to take some of the pressure off of them. Yeah, no, I like that plan. I think this team is in dire need of guards for sure. I think the yeah. left guard is maybe the biggest hole on the team. Yep, I agree. Um, and it's in terms of talent and in terms of like just pure need because I think how it looks like Tunsil left tackle, Britt center, AJ Kane right guard, Titus Howard right tackle. That all looks pretty much like not sharpied in, but very dark pencil. Like if you erase that, like you're still going to see most of those markings there. Like I think that's that's the four of the five right there. So left guard, um, like you mentioned, Kenyon Green would be great out of A&M, Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Um, those would be two guys who I think would be pretty pro-ready to contribute as a, as a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Do you see uh, – me... Zion Random gets question. a lot of love. He gets a lot yeah. of love out there. Uh, do you, Is there any way that we see Sharping from his rookie year ever again? <sighs> it's so hard to say because I feel like – they almost broke him. Yeah. Like it's, like it seems they like they, do. yeah, it seems like they mentally broke him down by rotating him in, a, in and out of the roster, the starting lineup 
not even just within the game, but just throughout the entire season as well. Like it was both. And and they kind of still continue to do that this past season with him taking rotations with Justin McCray and, and Titus Howard. And so it was it was weird. I I wouldn't bet on it, not at all. Okay. Uh Carla and Carl, I always can't ever pronounce his last name, but the Penn State defensive end, people are are saying he's he's a he's a bust. He's not he should not go in the first round. Penn State defensive end Arnold Abiquete? Uh yeah, I think it's Penn State, or is it it starts with a K. Say so, uh, sorry, Galactus? Purdue. Purdue. Yeah, George Carlaptus. He's his thing will be can he be moved inside? Um, did Jordan there's freeze? a Jordan did freeze. Yeah. Now with him, if he can move inside, then he'll be pretty good. Um, if he can't, if he gets beat up inside, then yeah, he's gonna bust. Yeah. Not, he's just too short. Um, I'll give Jordan a second. Oh, he's restarting his computer. All right. Um. Sweet. Okay, well, he'll be back. Um, all right, so let's while he's restarting, let's hop around. So Brandon Cook's trade. Uh, there's been talks about him being traded. Aaron Wilson put out that he won't be traded. Um, trade Brandon or don't trade Brandon, John? I mean, I'd prefer not to because our wide receiver core is still pretty barren. Um, but, I mean, if you get a second-round pick – which is fair value for Brandon Cooks, then I can completely understand it. I mean, I'd rather keep him around just so there is at least one proven weapon out there. But I can I can understand if you get a second-round pick, if you actually look at Mills, how Mills performed without Cooks on the field, um, he actually did better. So I would definitely understand it, even though if I wouldn't be the biggest fan of it. Yeah, I think the only way you trade him is if you get like a top five pick in the second round outside of that i really can't see you replacing his production anywhere else and i think it makes the most sense um but outside of that like there's really no need to trade him he's on it like from a cap perspective it's friendly if you extend him i mean who knows like if you extend him what it looks like i I would assume he's not going to get top five wide receiver money but you know even top 10 are you good are you willing to pay top 10 for brandon cooks i mean i think you're gonna we may end up having to um which is which is fine. I mean, when you sit there and you realize how old he is, um, he's, I mean, he's still got a lot of football ahead of him. Like, other than having those couple of years of concussions, he really has stayed healthy. He's always been yeah. productive. It doesn't matter who yeah. his quarterback is, he's been productive. He's younger than, um, shoot. <laughs> Why can't I? Backstage. Go yeah, ahead. Um, he's younger than the uh, guy on the Rams. Why am I blanking? Uh, Cooper Cup. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's not a blocker. I mean, that's the one thing. But other than that, his game, I mean, it's pretty, pretty complete. Um, But that's also why he's easily worth the second round. Like, part of it is you're not going to get a receiver at that level with his contract. So if you're a team that doesn't have a lot of uh, cap space and you need to improve your receiver, yeah, Brandon Cooks is who you'd go for. Yeah, what about you, Jordan? What are your thoughts on trading Brandon Cooks? Yeah, um, I'm in the camp of believing that you should kind of sell high at this point because he's in a contract year, 
because I don't have faith in the fact that he's going to want to have an extension with us and stay here with us through the rebuild. Um, and so I would rather get something for him now at the peak of his value than potentially losing him for nothing. And, and maybe you get a comp pick, um, but that's a risk I kind of don't want to take. Um, and so in terms of value, like you guys were talking about, I do think a second rounder and maybe a day three pick would be good. Um, honestly, am I too optimistic in thinking that a team like the Packers or the Chiefs would part with one of their multiple first round picks, like late first round picks? Because like everyone has them penciled in to take a wide receiver at that point. And so would you rather take a, a rookie wide receiver? Or would you rather have a proven Pro Bowl level wide receiver and Brandon, Brandon Cooks when you're in this win now window? Like you don't want to have to give Aaron Rodgers or uh, Patrick Mahomes a, a rookie wide receiver to work with. You want to give them an established guy who is proven. So I view that those two guys, those two teams could kind of give them first, give us first round picks. But am I being too optimistic? No, I, I, th I think you're spot on, Jordan. I, I, I was in the same boat. I, when you look at, at the end of the day, when you look at Cooks, like you can say whatever you want about him. Like, is he a top five wide receiver? No, he's not. Mm -hmm. But but he's an absolute playmaker. He's he could stretch the field. Probably, I don't know. I mean, who does it better than Tyree Kill? I mean, then it's Tyree Kill, and then what? Brandon Cooks? Is that fair? Uh, maybe like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Okay, maybe, like, if, maybe, I think he's maybe, he's top five. He's top five. Yeah. Right? yeah, he's top five at least on, on stretching the field. Um. His injuries never seem to be an issue. His concussion never seemed to be an issue. Um, and he's on an extremely team-friendly deal. Like, I'm with you. Like, I don't see why there shouldn't be an expectation that you could potentially get the 20, I think it's 26 for the Packers, or 30, 30 from the Chiefs. Like, absolutely. Like, you're getting a guy that's going to be able to come into your scheme and immediately fit and immediately be one of the – I mean, look, the Chiefs just lost Tyreek Hill or traded Tyreek Hill, so – they really don't have anybody besides McCall Hardman who could stretch the field. Hardman isn't as good as Brandon Cooks. He's got the speed, but he's not as good as Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is a good route runner. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I, I said the same thing. I said, you know, later, late, late, late first or, or top five pick in the second round. Like, I think that's probably where his value should be. Um, I don't know if a third round pick is like – for me, I'd rather I, – I do believe that he would – if he doesn't sign – he signed somewhere else and we're going to get a third round compensatory pick. And if that's the case, like I'd rather have him for one more year yep. than have the third, you know, now. Um, so yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree. I, I think he is undervalued a hundred percent. And I think a lot of people just should say that because it's the Texans and their team's not very good. So they just assume that, you know, Brandon cooks isn't very good, but when you look at the trade value for Brandon cooks, every time he's been traded outside of the time that we traded for him, it's been a first round pick and we're not, but two years removed before, from that happening so um and he's 28 and, and i mean still, he's and still 28 is, the guy doesn't now, age like yeah he's been in the league 14 years <laughs> and now his contract just looks amazing at this point yeah yeah i agree all right let's move on to marlon mack i there's there seems to be a lot of excitement around marlon mack um i i think i understand the optimistic aspect of this but when it comes to an achilles injury and a running back it's very hard for me to be optimistic about the signing of said running back because you just don't know, like, and everybody points to Deontay Foreman and that's great, but like, that's really truly an anomaly. Like that's not like, th that's not something that happens every time. So like, as far as expectations for Marlon Mack, I'll go first. I, I don't have a ton. I like the signing and I think it makes sense from a risk rewards perspective. If you get Marlon Mack that we 
seen before and he's fully healed and he trusts uh, his Achilles, then I think it's an upside signing that really could bring some value to the team. But from an expectations perspective, I really just don't have any. I don't I don't expect him to come in and be the guy that we've seen on the Colts. You know, I, I don't expect him to be this big time runner um, that we need in our offense. I really just don't have expectations. And I think it's probably like the best approach to have with Marlon Mack because then you also take into account like the offensive line. Like we really don't know what that looks like. We know the interior of the line is not good at this time. Um, we don't know if they'll fix it. And if they don't fix it, it really doesn't matter who you put back there. Um, we just saw the god David Johnson last year not be able to run through. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but but what I'm saying is, is it really doesn't matter. So I have I have no expectations. John, what are your expectations for Marlon Mack? I mean, my guess on Twitter right now is we're just thirsty. <laughs> like he's he's a proven he's a proven NFL player that we actually signed. That doesn't seem like he's over the hill. Now, coming back from his Achilles, I mean, Foreman, Cam Akers did it this year, but Cam Akers did not look good. Um, so, I mean, maybe, like, if he's a portion of the player that he used to be, but at the same time, like, that's that's not really all that. I mean, the Colts loved him so much that they split his backfield and then drafted his replacement um, before he was even hurt. So, I don't know. I I'm, I mean, better than David Johnson. <laughs> I'd rather give Mac another try than run David Johnson out there for the third year in a row. But other than that, like, I mean, that's just, I'm not overly excited. Yeah. I think you guys are kind of spot on. And, and the way I would describe it is, is he's basically a wild card. That's basically what he is at this point. It's like you go into it with very medium expectations. If he's healthy, if the O-line has been improved, then you're getting a starter quality running back. Um, in his best year in 2019 with the Colts, he finished ninth in carries, 10th in rushing yards, and 12th in total touchdowns. So like that's like borderline top 10 running back production. Now, like James said, the caveat is he had an elite Colts offensive line to run behind. And we don't got Quentin Nelson. We don't got Ryan Kelly, Anthony Costanzo, Braden Smith, all those guys. We are a bottom, we were the worst run blocking unit in the NFL. And I don't want to harp yeah. on that too much, but it's it's something but it's you true. have to mention. Yeah, exactly. Because Barry Sanders couldn't run behind the O-line we had last year. It, it doesn't no. matter. So, and now with three of those starters kind of returning, AJ can, we'll see what he can be. There's not a lot of potential to kind of fully improve that unit, um, that run blocking unit. So I, I don't have the highest expectations for him. But the one thing that is giving me a bit of hope is he looked pretty healthy and pretty spry um, in the few 2021 games that he did play. Um, he looked, I would, I would estimate to say like 90% of who he was in his prime, um, which is good. And the other good thing is that his running style and who he is as a running back is it's not predicated on like being super athletic and just out athleting everyone. He's not going to be ripping off 50, 60 yard touchdowns. He's not just outrunning guys with speed. Like he's a pure between the tackles, take his time, be patient, be slow to it, blow through it, that type of guy who doesn't need to be super athletic. So those are kind of my reasons for optimism. Um, but then it's like tempered optimism, like you guys are kind of saying. It's like, don't yeah. too high I mean, he's got plus level patience and knowing where to run. Yeah. But kind of the problem with that is like his most success was behind um, left guard. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which was a strength of the Colts, but not a strength of the Texans. So that could be just a little bit of, you know, he's patient and he knows where to run. And that's the strong point on the Colts line. And he mm-hmm. won't have that same success rate here. Um, so let, let's just kind of hope that. Um, but at the same time, like, I'm hoping he's like our second string running back and we have a rookie out there anyways. Brees Hall, hopefully. Um all right, uh, before we get out of here, last one. Uh, we're going to see you, Jordan, on draft night in Houston at Kobo's in Edo, downtown or down in the warehouse district across from Minute Maid Park. Uh, we're going to do our live draft show uh, day one and day two. Um, but in case we don't talk again, Jordan, who do you expect Nick Casario to pick at 3-13? and 13? Um, who do I expect? I think one of them is going to be a lineman and the other one is going to be a corner. Who that's going to be, what the order. I mean, one of them is going to be a trade down, so it's kind of hard to say for sure. Yeah. But I think there's very good odds that they take a guy like Ikem Ikwonu at three. I think if you listen to his press conferences, that is kind of the other, kind of the cherry on top for who, the players that they're looking for, like they want them to be very good people as well, especially when you're picking at three, it's like kind of a face of the franchise type of thing. So they want to have that culture aspect. And if you listen to Ikim Ikwonu, like he's a very well-spoken man, very intelligent person. And so I think they're going to buy into that character side of him. So that'll be my guess at three at 13. I think you could look at a guy like if sauce Gardner falls there, um, that would be an obvious easy pick. Um, I think you would think, about Andrew Booth, Derek Stingley, um, and even just trading back, into the later 20s and maybe a guy like Kyir Elam. So I think Ekonu and one of those cornerbacks is who I would put my money on. Yeah, I think um, I, I, you're probably right. Um, it makes a ton of sense. Um, it'll be interesting to see for sure. At the end of the day, at least we have two first-round picks. I think somehow we end up with three. I don't know how. I don't know what it'll be, but I do think that Nick is going to trade back, like you said, and I do think that we're going to end up with, multi- with another first-round pick uh, this year which would be awesome for draft coverage. Um, and yeah, I guess that's about it. John, what else you got? You got anything else? Flyer will be done this week, so we'll be able to promote that. Is that about it? I think so. Okay. Awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you for joining us. It's been too long. Don't let it happen again where we go a year <laughs> and a half without you being on the show. Um, luckily, it hasn't been a year and a half since we've seen you. We got to see you during college football season. So that was great. And now we get to see you again. So that'll be fun as well. Um, Cool. Well, with that being said, I'm young Ari gold signing off for Texans unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week.